Hello and welcome back to this new episode of the Songwriting Idiots podcast. The show where every month, me and my friend Dan over here, write a new song each on a genre and a topic decided by you, our dear listener. How are you doing, Dan? I am doing wonderful. I cannot complain in any way. Uh, I had the the pleasure of spending a couple of weeks in the UK uh, this month. Hmm. And it seems as though I've come back with some sort of disease. Let me think. What are the... The possible British diseases flying around? What are diseases around? out there mm. right now? Anything under nope, news? Nothing, nothing with any bells. Mm. So I, I, I am here with uh, a cough suite at hand because <laughs> I am uh, feeling, as we would say, a little under the weather. Uh, let, to be clear... The test of uh, for for COVID was uh, negative, so let's it hope was. for the best. Yeah, I also got a warning today from uh, uh, my sister's birthday. I went to last weekend where someone tested positive. So uh, good times. Yeah, great. Good times. Uh, how are you doing? Are you all right? Uh, yes, I mean so far negative. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we don't get the results during this podcast. Although that means we would have to quarantine together in here, meaning that we would have to do a joint episode <laughs> with a joint song. <laughs> yep. So keep your, I don't know, uh, keep your hopes up for that one. Um, yeah, I'm doing well otherwise. Uh, as you know, I'm now in Vienna. Yeah, listen to don't. Yes. And uh, yes. that has a very good reason because I'll be moving back here in October. So Woo! the days of remote recording are actually going to be over very, very soon. By the next episode. Maybe. Hopefully. Let's well, see. ish. This is the August episode. We might have one more remotely, but it's good. It's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. I'm very much looking forward to doing this with you in a proper studio together. It's going to be beautiful. By proper, I mean your flat. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I have a room. Yeah. <laughs> so that should be nice. That should be nice. The listeners will tell if we have any better sound quality or not. I'm going to have some sound panels. But I will, I will regularly regularly ask them on Instagram, so keep an eye on that people on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but without further ado, let's talk a little bit about what we did. Or let's have a listen, in fact, to what we did last month. Yeah, because that was wild. It was disco. Oh, and all the ladies, they love it. Baby, take it off now. Won't you take it off? Oh, take it off now. Take it off. So that was disco. I really, really enjoyed that that yeah. genre. I, and I think, I mean, without being too nice about you know to each other or to ourselves, I think that was one of our better episodes. I I think it was both very interesting, the history, and both our songs stood up. So some would call it edutainment. Some did. Some did call it edutainment, <laughs> which is great. It's what we're all about: educating and entertaining. So this month, lovely listeners, you gave us the monumental. Yes, yes. Ginormous, <laughs> horrifically difficult genre of gypsy jazz to deal with. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who don't know what gypsy jazz is, you are going to find out because Ralph is going to give us a nice little brief history of gypsy jazz. And by brief, maybe not so brief. I don't know. I think the, the history is probably pretty cool, actually. Like Disco, it was very cool. Um and you will hear how we got on with a genre where I, th- I think it's fair to say neither of us had any idea whatsoever how to start. Yeah, it's it, this, this was a tough one. Maybe just for completeness sake, it doesn't matter in any way. We also had a topic for this month, which, which was something to do with brothels. Starting your own brothel. Uh, but since there are no lyrics to almost all Gypsy Chaz songs, yeah, sorry, yeah. that just didn't happen. But my song has a name, and that name is somewhat related to <laughs> at least. So that. that's good. Without going too deep into it, I think Gypsy Jazz is an interesting genre, historically speaking, for mostly one reason. And that reason is that it was the first subgenre of jazz, or more specifically of swing, mm. which is jazz, right? That originated in Europe. As you and many of our listeners probably know, jazz music came from originally the American South, so it was, you know, in this kind of blues-influenced black American music down there, and uh, really started to blossom in the US in the 20s, so that's when jazz really started becoming a big deal. That was all very much a American phenomenon, and it was only in the early 30s that this kind of changed, or in the late 20s, 
jazz made it over the Atlantic. It became quite popular in, in, in the capitals of Europe, specifically actually Berlin as well, interestingly enough, and also Paris. And in the early 30s, we now see a movement of European musicians moving into that style, but very much in their own way, one might say. And what I find fascinating is that already in the last episode, we talked a little bit about Gypsy Jazz and what we can expect. And the one name that I had in mind when you asked me what I knew about it was Django Reinhardt. Let's be fair, it was, I think, the only name either yeah. of us had in mind. Yeah. Right? Only one for yep. me, only. And as it turns out, that it has a very good reason. Yes. He is the number one person in that genre. The he, daddy. He single-handedly created this genre. Madness, so. right? It's, it's very rare that a single artist can really create a genre. I mean, you can think of genres where you think, yeah, these are the big names, but there's only one yeah. big name. And this guy really founded it. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, to be fair, he was in a quintet, so sure. yes. Especially his violinist was probably, you know, he, he deserves a part of this. Uh, but Django was really the, the main guy there. And he just came up with a completely new way of playing jazz by using influences coming from his own background because he was a member of the Sinti community in Belgium, France, that overall area. Originally, I think his family is actually from the German-French borderland, hence the name Reinhardt. Django is not his real first name, unfortunately. I think it's Jean. Jean, it yeah. Is Jean yeah. Which is a bit disappointing. Yeah. But yeah, so and yeah, he moved into that in the early 30s and really started taking this gypsy music style, hence the name Gypsy Jazz, that synthy musicians in Western Europe have been playing for a long time at this point, and applied it in a certain way to what was coming over from the US, this whole new jazz thing. And what we got as a result is Gypsy Jazz. And it really only existed for about 10 years in its original form. I mean, obviously, I said early 30s. France was invaded by Germany in 1940. So that was quite a, quite an abrupt end for this. And also, uh, Tango Ryan had surprisingly actually stayed in France for most of that time. Uh, his uh, violinist, he moved to London, I believe. Uh, but also Django changed his style after the war, moved more into like a bebop you know, again, more American style later on. And only in the 70s, really, did we see a resurgence of this. So then new musicians came up. Interestingly, many distant relatives of Django. So you, you, oh, hear, really? you hear a lot of Reinhardts when going into these playlists. Funny. In many different roles. So there's, uh, what was his name? Schnuckelschnack Reinhardt, I think, <laughs> a German uh, a German player, and you also had one uh, one of the very few female or vocalists in general yeah. doing this gypsy uh, jazz style, also a Reinhardt. But he also had other people, and it became quite popular again in the 70s, and still is to a certain degree today. Yeah, especially in, in Spain and in the US, actually. Interesting, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they have real festivals. The Django Fest, I think it's called. That's in the US. Yeah. There's also a fest, a festival in France. I can imagine, yeah. At the uh, at the place where he uh, died, which is just south of Paris. Mm. Happens every year as well. I mean, COVID times, obviously, a bit different. But yeah, it's very much alive. But weirdly and interestingly enough, it's still very much based on the exact music that Django started in 1932, 33, around then. Yeah. And yeah, for anyone who just wants to give it a listen, just listen to the Minor Swing by Django Reinhardt. And classic. It's an absolute classic. I'm sure most listeners have probably heard it heard it somewhere before without knowing who it is. Yeah. And uh, you can really get a good taste for for this style. And maybe just the last noteworthy thing, and maybe that's a bit more, it's a bit a bit of trivia, but it's fascinating, is that Django Reinhardt didn't have five functioning fingers to play the guitar. You're kidding me. He could only move three of his fingers properly on the, on the guitar. So he was just, he could use the thumb, which for the guitar is, you know, not, not the super most useful, yeah. useful. And then uh, the index finger and the middle finger. Because he, has an, he had an accident where he suff suffered from severe burns and somehow that also influenced that. So he couldn't use his like pinky and his ring finger, not properly anyway. So he was mostly playing with just two fingers on his left hand plus the thumb. Yeah. And uh, that really also influenced, obviously, the style. And maybe for those people who don't know much about jazz, but are into rock and metal music, there's a connection to Tony Iommi to be drawn here from Black Sabbath. Okay. 
Because famously, he also had an accident where his middle two fingers, the ring finger and the middle finger, were cut short in... He was doing some sort of industry job in Birmingham in the 60s. And he couldn't properly use it. And he was close to giving up playing the guitar. And legend has it that a friend, and he also said that in interviews, a friend then showed him uh, music by Django Reinhardt and asked him what he thought about it. And Tony Omi said, yeah, that's great. That, that's amazing guitar playing. And his friend just replied, yeah, and what if I told you he only used two fingers for that? And that's why we had Tony Omi and Black Sabbath. So there's a direct connection between Gypsy Jazz and Black Sabbath. Weirdly enough. That's fantastic. <laughs> but with that, I think, enough of history, I encourage everyone to just give this a listen and, and read up for yourself. It's it's a deep and interesting topic, even though it was short-lived, at least in its original heyday. With only one major artist. <laughs> there were some others around, sure, you know, sure. jumped on that yeah. uh, wagon. But yeah, it was quite a short phenomenon. And sometimes that also makes things quite interesting and intense. And I think in this case, that's very much the case. Absolutely. So let's take a little listen and see how we got on uh, with five fingers trying to recreate, <laughs> five working fingers, <laughs> trying to recreate the, the music of Gypsy Jazz and Django Reinhardt. All right, Dan. It is one of these episodes again where you are going first. But before we do that, we have a pretty sad message, I guess. I mean, maybe it's also a hopeful message because many of our uh, listeners, including ourselves, are alcoholics. <laughs> but since you are feeling a bit under the weather, and I'm I feeling am. a bit concerned because of that message I got, yeah. we are drinking alcohol-free beer today. We are indeed, like that's going to help. Uh, so we're drinking a, a beer from Austria. It's called a Wieselburger. No weasels were harmed in the making of this beer. Uh, that and, we know of. Yeah, that we know of. And it's, it's alcohol-free. So uh, I'm going to open mine. I hope it at least makes the same sound. We would hope so. And it delivers. Yes, sir. That is nice. And yes, so you are going first this month. So as usual, of course, I have not heard it. But also, I know you did not have much time. As you said, you were in England for two weeks straight without a guitar, I understand. Correct. So of the four weeks between our last recording and today, you only... One, the one directly after the last episode had to recover from that episode. <laughs> As we usually do. Yeah, and also to <laughs> listen to music. So that gave me a, a week. And of that week, I spent at least two of those days watching a reality TV show um, <laughs> about M Mark Terenzi and Sarah Connor getting married. Uh, which left me with three days. Highly recommended, though. Two of which I was ill, so that left me with one day. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is getting bad. But, but, it's really okay. It's actually quite interesting, the process that I went through to write this song. So I suggest that we listen to the song and obviously have in the back of your mind, if you want, that this is a few hours of work, which is always interesting, right? What You can come up in really a few hours. Uh, and then I can kind of run you through how I came up with this. I, yes. I, I, I wish it had a name. It does not. No. Okay. Uh, we'll come up with one. Yeah, we can come up with one afterwards. Think of the first thing that comes into your head after the song related to brothels. You know what? We're going to now listen to it. I'll take some notes and I'll also give you the name right after this. Life on the show. I'm very excited. So here is my song called Ralph Will Decide. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> that face, <Dom>. dude. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, and most importantly, what should we call this monstrosity? I thought, when I listened to this, first of all, it was... I think you really nailed the La Pomp. And secondly, before getting into any specifics, I think for Gypsy Jazz standards, it was surprisingly happy. Mm. I feel like many Gypsy Jazz songs are a bit bittersweet. Mm. And this was quite happy. So it made me think of Spring. Okay. And uh, I would therefore call this uh, Cherry Blossoms in Non-C. <laughs> Beautiful. I can live with that. <laughs> but there's no brothel involved. So that is true. Yeah, pop the cherry blossoms. <laughs> pop the cherry blossoms. That's done. That's <laughs> the title of your song, sir. Lovely. I can live with that. So I presume you have some questions. Uh, I do. <laughs> First of all, okay. Let's go th- through my thought process here a little bit. Please do. At the beginning, I thought, oh, yeah, straight in, La Pomp. Mm hmm. Uh, I thought, you, you, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that, We should probably describe what La Pomp is briefly. Yeah, La, La, La Pomp is basically this offbeat, heavy rhythm that you have on uh, the guitar in almost every, basically every Gypsy Jazz song. And uh, what it really does is it very much accents the two and the four. So yeah. it, w- what you would classically, where you would have a snare drum. Yeah. These, uh, so, yeah, it's basically just a technique how, of how to play the strings and also a lot of just muted string yeah, it's, action. Yeah, it's, it's French for the pump. And I think that the the idea of it is to simply replace the drums. Yeah. Because there are no drums in Gypsy Jazz. Hardly ever. Yeah. yeah. And so the guitar, the rhythm guitar, really is the percussion as well as the kind of a musical element, of course, yeah. but largely a percussion element, actually, which is quite cool, I yeah. think. It's in some way similar to what uh, Tony Cash did, like mm. 10 years, 15 years later, when he had like put like a playing card or something under yeah, his strings on the exactly. guitar to just yeah. make his guitar a bit more percussiony, right? And Gypsy Jazz really does this with, with La Pomp. So, yeah, I think in the 70s, in this kind of new wave, some bands did have drummers. But it's really not needed no. for Tip the Jars. And certainly uh, Django didn't. So no. yeah. he, he, it was you know, really a, a, a percussion thing. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, the strumming style, if you like. Right. And I thought, especially at the beginning with the... Kind of coming in at the end of the first phrase, basically, and then moving into the first bar, that was very classic. And it continued like that. So quite classic arrangement as well for the first minute and a half. Yeah. I'm going to come to that. I'm going to come to that monstrosity. I'm just building up. So you, you have, you know, Django's band was a five-piece, obviously, mm-hmm. with that. So they had two rhythm guitars, mm-hmm. his lead guitar, yep. violin, bass, right? And by violin, your sound was quite similar. I think you only had one rhythm guitar, or was it double-tracked? I just one. One? I only had time for one. Yep, of course, sir. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, but otherwise quite classic, and yeah, I liked it. Then came some noodling, you know. We all know our limitations on guitar. Correct. I think, considering all that, pretty solid. Yeah. And then came the strings. Yes, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, so there is a violin in this, or is it a violin or a fiddle? I couldn't work it out whether they play a uh, fiddle or a violin. Is there an actual difference in instrument or only in style? I'm not sure. The listeners can write in and tell yeah, us. Yeah, I feel like a fiddle might be smaller, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like, mm. what, why would they call it a fiddle if it's a violin? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it, it could just be a style, correct? I was like, I, I, I will have a little go. And I tried to find a good sound for one. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. Uh, nope. That was that was not easy. And then I was like, well, I can try and play some melodies on the violin. And what came out was that. And I don't like it. Uh, it sounds really fake, actually, doesn't it? It sounds in no way real. It, it sounds yeah. shrill. It sounds pretty terrible. But I thought I'd leave it in so that listeners could see what I tried to do. Yeah, always document the process. I think mm-hmm. that that way, you know, you learn the best. Or other people can 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 also learn from your mistakes. And I think, yeah, let's let's be very clear, that was a mistake. Yeah, and it was funny because I was like, yeah, this isn't working, but it's almost too late because I can't do another half a song of just noodling. Obviously, yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. So I was like, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna leave it in, and we can talk about it in a certain way. You know, yeah, it is a bit of a you know, but but it also has an interesting side effect that it 
almost makes this a kind of fusion piece. And it sounds a little bit like half gypsy jazz and half 80s synth pop. Yeah, yeah. From this weird, <laughs> like, violin sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is sort of what I was going for. I, I think I had a hangover from disco last last month. Mm. Need to get the strings in. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were quite... The, yeah, that, 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 that was disco strings, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the Logic Pro standard string, like, standard violin thing. I did actually try and uh, make that sound more like it was from the 1930s mm. by using a Mellotron. Okay. Yeah, and... Uh, what is a Mellotron? It's just a form of synth. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it actually sounded not bad, but I bottled it and went with the standard one. Mm. But maybe that would have made it sound better, but it's also hard to play violin on the keyboard. It's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. to make like melodies and stuff on the keyboard with the strings they just sound unauthentic right they just don't sound very good exactly but i thought what i would do is like i said leave it in we could discuss and in real life which this is not <laughs> <laughs> obviously that that would be a real violinist mm. uh doing something much better yeah 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 i think you know obviously it is the classic way to go to have a violin as you will see i chose a different path to just try and avoid that without mm. doing any... You know me, mm. I hate playing with MIDI. Yep. Anything that is not drums, I'm not very confident with. Mm -hmm. And also, I just don't have the same library you have. Yep. But as we can tell, you know, for many styles, even your library in Logic is not enough. It doesn't so, cover gypsy jazz. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I also really tried to find a way around that. I find it brave that you did, so uh, we got something to talk about. There is one question I have, because I think that is something that's very relevant to the genre overall, but also to just the world of jazz. Mm. How did you think about this song when it comes to structure? Because obviously when we do most things on this show, we have a classic verse, Intro, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, bridge kind of structure, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe a pre-chorus, these kind of things. None of that really applies to jazz music and... I think it even less applies to gypsy jazz, which is sometimes even more stripped down and even more, even further removed from our understanding of modern song structure. So, how did you put, think of that? Yeah, well, in jazz, you tend to have you tend to give sections letters, right? A, B, C, D, sometimes, and so uh, you say, "Oh, this song is A, B, A, C," or you know, A, B, A, B, yeah. uh, or A, B, A, or I'm sure many jazz fans will, again, you know, write in podcast at songwritingitis.com. Mm. Uh, we would love to hear that. But I feel like in jazz, the feeling and the content or the the, the function of, of these sections can be way less defined than it is in a modern song. Because in a modern song, it's, you know, the verse is very much setting the stage. Yeah, the yeah. chorus is amping it up and yeah. the chorus is explosion. Uh, you don't really have that there. No, no. What did you do? So what I did was I was like, well, I can't. So first of all, let's. I'm going to rewind a little bit to how I came up with the chords, for example. I think that this is relevant because the chords that I used in my song, and I'm sure you used it in your song as well, these are weird chords. Six. Yeah, six chords. <laughs> yeah, six, <laughs> sevens. These are chords that I have never in my life played before. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel like an absolute noob at the guitar. Yes. Like, it. I, I was like, Oh my god! I feel like I'm 16 years old, starting to play the guitar again. I'm like looking at my fingers, trying to get them in the right places. Yep. These unfamiliar shapes, like this is this is what? What on earth am I playing right now? Switching chords, nightmare. Yeah, horrible, really tough. Very good exercise, really cool. It's not bad sometimes to feel like a complete beginner again. But what that meant was, I was like, well, okay, I've got these chords down, so I can only really use these chords. <laughs> which means that I can't have much structural change. All I can do is mm -hmm. change the order of the chords I'm playing. Right? Yes. So I thought I can, and I, and I could do that once. <laughs> so <laughs> my song is A, B, A, B. Okay. Simply because I managed to change the chords around once, uh, and that's the B part. Mm -hmm. People won't even notice it. Uh, it's just slightly different. And then I was like, okay, well, then I'll go back to A, and then I'll go back to B, and then I end. Yeah. Uh, if I'd had more time to think about it, I would have done something more interesting. But A, B, A, B was how it ended up. And that was largely because I was constrained by the actual musical chords that I could play. Because these shapes, that and you use your thumb, mm -hmm. and it's, it's weird. It's weird, yeah. And I mean, you can always strip them down. So many of these chords you can play kind of Django style, which usually means only playing three strings. Sure, because he only has hands, right? Yeah. 
But even that only helps to a certain extent, right? It, yes, it makes it easier, but it's still unusual. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah things that you've, you've never ever played before. And just trying to work out what you're playing as well. Mm. Like the amount of chord diagrams I had to look at. <laughs> it takes some time, right? Yeah. To understand sure. also how a lot of these chord progressions work, uh, musically speaking, because we are kind of used to how chord progressions work in pop music. Mm. But these ones, trying to work out, okay, well, we're going from the one to the five to the four something, I think. Uh, and here's a very weird chord that I don't know, but sounds jazzy, so I'll put that in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it, I mean, to be fair, most weird chords just sound jazzy. <laughs> they, they <do>. Broad <laughs> statement, I like it. Yeah, um, yeah. so that's how the structure came about. Uh, mm. it, and it came about through my, my musical limitations. Okay. Maybe one last question. Moving away from, now we had structure... You moved into chords, very important, yeah. I think the last element then is obviously the melodic side of things. So mm-hmm. you obviously had a motif, I mm-hmm. guess, mm-hmm. which you must have written somehow. So that would be part number one. How did you come up with the motif? How did you write that? But maybe more interestingly to me, did you think about your solo bits? Like, what were your, your thoughts for that solo guitar part? Or maybe also for that weird string part. but like, uh, The best part of the song. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> did you also try and work in the motif there? Or did you just kind of rip up and down a certain scale? What was your process there? Yeah, so what I did was... And this gets a little bit into kind of guitar stuff. So if you're not a guitar player, I'm sorry. But I, it, it will sort of apply to you maybe in, 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 in other instruments if you play one. I looked at the chord shapes that I was playing... Mm-hmm. And then I I actually watched a video about this, about how to quite easily, because I didn't have much time, I was like, how to quite easily essentially create little lines over these chords. Mm-hmm. And one cool trick that I learned was, so one chord I played was uh, essentially a, a variation of an A minor, an A6, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And all you do is you you take the notes of, of A minor, the A minor chord, mm-hmm. and then... You can basically also play like the note, the one note half step below it, essentially. Oh yeah, and that's quite a neat little trick. So every, so I was like, okay, well, I know I can play these notes, and the one below it also sounds cool when I mix it in. So that helped me quite a lot. So I guess in very professional terms, you would say you play arpeggios with chromatic notes. Absolutely right. Yes, exactly, exactly that. And that's the first time I've ever done that yeah. because I'm not a lead guitarist, right? I like to play like rhythm guitar. I like to. Mm play the keyboard i don't play lead guitar basically ever so it's my job yeah exactly that's your (laughs) job in the band so i was like i need to work out an easy quick fix for this and so i i noodled around with those notes essentially and then i came up with a little motif because i was just noodling and this is actually how i recorded the guitar part Mm -hmm. i noodled three times okay and then listened to all of them found the best bits from each one and just put them all together Okay, so you comped it, basically. I comped it together. All yes. right. So I just noodled around because I didn't have the time yeah. to think, really think about what I wanted. I was like, this sounds good. What I just played, this... I was like, okay, well, that I can keep. Mm-hmm. And I will try and make that a central part of it. And I worked around that, essentially. That's what it felt like. So uh, it really felt like there was a motif, yeah. which was, I mean, well-developed. If you spend one day, it might be a bit of a stretch, but it was... The most developed part of this, I'm sure. sure. So it was recognizable. I like it. It it, it kind of grabs your attention. It, it does its job. And you always came back to it. And I found that really interesting. And in between, yeah, one can tell that, you know, every now and then. Just went somewhere. You went somewhere. But yeah. I mean, that's both time and technique limitations that we mm-hmm. just have, right? Of course. But I, f- I feel like that's a big takeaway. That's something that I'm struggling with ever, ever since we kind of started doing this show. And also we got our band back together basically mm. or we're now you know practicing more and trying to go play more life and stuff i really i'm really in this process as a guitar player now where i leave scales behind and really try to do what you did right mm. try to think of the underlying chord try to think of the chord tones so usually a one three five so as you said you have an a minor so you have an a a c and an e exactly and if you have a six in there that's going to be an f and then you know it, you, you just try to work with that and uh, it's such a different thought process. It's crazy challenging. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to anyone who is maybe thinking, you know, you're an intermediate guitarist or an intermediate, any lead instrument player, mm-hmm. that is a very good next place to go to th- start, stop thinking about scale so much and say like, yep. 
This entire thing I can play an A minor pentatonic over, which you usually would do. But, okay, what is the chord? What are the chord tones? What are other tones that are not in the chord? Other notes that are not in the chord that I can also play and try and make that work. And that's that's going to keep you occupied for years. <laughs> Absolutely right, yeah. And that's essentially, that was the first step on the journey that I took. Yeah. Because I'd never thought of that before. So th- that was the best thing about this, was for sure learning that kind of way of writing a lead line, I would say. I feel like I'm a bit scared because now we have revealed that I'm supposed to be the lead guitar player. Yeah, yeah watch out. Watch out. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm ready for your song. Uh, and of course, I'd like to know what it's called, first of all. Yeah. So, uh, pardon my French, <laughs> but the, very simply, it's called Cartier Jaude. I think that's how you pronounce it. Hot Quarter. Is that how you would pronounce that? Cartier. Cartier. Yeah. Jaude. Yeah. which apparently is a term for the red light district, as I googled. Nice. So uh, I hope that's right. Any French speakers do correct me. There's not going to be any more French in there, except for in the intro. I do have like a French count in because I was like, <laughs> yeah, why the hell not have an de trois? But yeah, so I, I just thought, you know, it's a tipsy jazz was mostly big in France. We write about brothels. I'm going to call it that. Beautiful. I'm ready for it. Here we go. to be a bit by surprise there yeah i was like yeah oh oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. didn't the audience make it abundantly clear <laughs> no because they appeared like four times during the song <laughs> that was just in particularly great bits <laughs> like they were just applauding the the the, the, the so you basically yeah yeah egomaniac <laughs> funny thing is i put them in before i played the solo so i saw them coming and i was like oh that's this is gonna be good <laughs> <laughs> so there's an interesting tip put the put the audience in when you're recording a song at the end of any solo you're playing so you build up and you get like a, a nice feeling at the end of it <laughs> also huge pressure because you see it coming in the sound waves <laughs> this bit well. better be rocking um okay so i have some points and some questions rhythm guitar was cool it was pretty straight right did i presume that was the first thing that you came up with yes yeah and did you percentage-wise of the whole song, how much time did you spend on that compared to the rest of it? Hmm. Good question. Actually, probably 20. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. about 20%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. Why do you think so? So, it, what guitar was it? That was actually my Telecaster. Yeah. The, the lead is on your jazz guitar because that, I was already in Vienna when I had to record the lead, which was a whole other limiting factor. Yeah. More 
appropriate, but also quite foreign to me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the the background is actually my Telecaster, and that's that's so the chords, the chord progression was was really good. Really liked it. the The only thing was that you could tell it wasn't acoustic. Yes, and that's that that that. So I'm going to be a, a a little. It's not critical, but it's just a point. Um, because the song was obviously much better than mine. So I have to point out some things. Um, be, because it wasn't acoustic, it was quite hard to get that real true La Pompe sound, right? And yeah. I, I, Because you, you, you can't really... You don't get that muted string sound so well, right? That was anything. It was quite like... Din, 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 which is which is kind of... I suppose it's the most, most basic La Pompe sound, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's, it was really something I struggled with. Okay, interesting. Because... That is, you know, you know me. I'm not a big soundscape kind of guy. Um, I'm, you know, I I know what sounds good to me, and I usually play the same guitar tones. And it's sometimes if I don't find a preset that works, I'm already in deep trouble. Mm. So yeah, for this, I recorded it before I came here, so I didn't. Ha- I don't have an acoustic. I only have a telecaster. Sure, sure. It's my only guitar, yeah. and it will stay that way. Uh, so uh, I was, I wanted to get it going right because I wanted to record the rhythm guitar so I can start fooling around with melodies yeah. because I thought that was the easiest way to do it. So I just wanted to get it done. So I did it, and yeah, it was a whole long process trying to play with reverbs to make it a bit more natural. And I already did, but you know, you never make it get it to the point where it's actually where it actually sounds acoustic. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that I thought was interesting. And then I started thinking about okay, so what other guitars did you use? And obviously, you stole my guitar yeah. for the lead on. You sound like a mandolin in there as well. Yeah, that's a mandolin. Yeah, the the lead, and, the other lead instrument is a yeah, mandolin. Yeah, right. And yeah. um, um, was the idea behind that to try and recreate the acoustic sound a little bit? No, that was an idea to uh, replace the violin with another organic instrument that I can play and have access to, because I did not want to even try going into the MIDI direction. Because uh, which we can all agree was a good, a good decision, <laughs> but you know. You can pull these things off way more easily than, than than I can because you're a more professional when it comes to these kind of studio tricks, and b have a let's face it, better door with more sounds. And I knew that I, I'm not gonna even try. And I have an old mandolin lying around. I can half play the mandolin, mm. and I thought, you know what? I mean, it is a traditionally folk instrument. Obviously, it sounds very different to a violin, but I thought that it could play a similar role in the song, so I just went with it. And also, actually, just to give the complete picture, there are two rhythm guitars, actually. One left, one right. Okay. They play slightly different chords as well. Ah, cool. Interesting. But that's also Telecasters. Um, uh, What was the process of you coming up with your lead lines? Because they were really cool. So tell me how you came up with, like, the... It's the the standout part of the song, really, mm, right? Okay. Two different things, I guess. There was this motif, which is really simple as can be, and that I came up with by simply, um, you know, noodling over the the chord progression. This that is mostly like three or four notes. You know, it's quite simple. But I thought, you know, that's cool. Have a simple motif. And I'm doing like an ABA structure, basically. Like the chords are always the same, but I have this like motif at the beginning, solo, motif at the end, right? And so I thought, okay, that's good for the for the A part. And for the middle part, I really just sat down with a lot of Gypsy Jazz records and tried to figure out what techniques they use on, on the guitar, what techniques uh, Django used and other players used, and what were... Some of the tricks that they do. I know they play incredibly fast, which I cannot. There's this one little piece where I try in the middle, and I immediately uh, reward myself with a round of applause. Uh, but I managed to find a couple of things that they often tended to do. Uh, one of them was playing octave runs, for example, having these two identical notes just walking up and down. So I copied that and just made that apart. Then um, that is maybe more of a standard jazz thing, is these kind of walkdowns or whatever you want to call it, line cliches, whatever it is, where I just start with like two notes and start moving one of them down while keeping the other one static. So that was one of them. And I then basically just sat down and had all these tricks and ideas and styles. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to make one section of the solo about that one, predominantly one about that, one about that. And then I recorded them in sections because obviously I couldn't do that in one go. I'd be a killer, right? Yeah, no, that's crazy. So, yeah. and even then, I ran out because there's a solid minute and a half of solo in this song, right? Yeah, 
So it's exhausting. Isn't it's it? it's it's really exhausting. It took me probably three hours just doing that. Yeah. Um, and that was after I already thought about all of that stuff, right? That was yeah. just a recording. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that was exhausting. But yeah, I think it turned out okay. It did. And let's be fair to us both here. Like people study this stuff mm. for years and years and years and years. Like the the people who play, I think jazz generally, but I mean specifically just gypsy jazz in terms of the guitar style. It's very particular, and people really like take years to study this stuff. There are, I mean, I had a quick Google. There are like really like full online courses for this, right? There are books uh, about these very particular things that are very important in the style, um, and this is why is one of the reasons why it was such a big challenge, right? Yeah. Because it, it's a, it feels very big what you can mm-hmm. do, but it's very specific at the same time. Yeah, uh, and the it's really quite tricky to get all of this down because. Also, you've got to be a lead and a rhythm player, both right. being very difficult in this case. Yes. Uh, and that, that I think, was certainly uh, the biggest challenge through all of this, I think, for both of us, right? Um, uh, just quickly, what, what, what club were you in when you recorded this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I had a couple of absence, but uh, it was certainly in Paris. Smoke. Loads, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was transported to this, to this smoky... Smoky Parisian bar. As usual, it was during a run when I come up with stupid ideas. And I was just like, ah, just putting some kind of audience in there yeah, and nice. making it sound live might give it a little bit of flair. So I did that at the very end. And it's the kind of music that you want to listen to live, right? You you want to be there experiencing kind of the, the bass play. We haven't spoken about the bass mm. in either of our songs, yeah. by the way. Because it tends to get drowned out by the guitars. A little bit, And yeah. what did you do for the bass in this one? I... I picked it out it seemed to be very similar to mine yeah in general when you listen to this it's a lot of one five motion yeah, yeah exactly yeah and otherwise i'm trying to combine this basically so i, I follow the course mm. and usually i play the underlying chord on the root mm. uh with one exceptions where i actually played a fifth and uh yeah i tried to combine basically just this classic Boom, 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 one f- five thing. I did the same thing. Uh, and I tried to combine it with a little bit of walking motion to, mm-hmm. into the next chord. So, yeah. boom, 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 yeah. these kind of things. Uh, yeah. It's not It's not really the main instrument in this genre at all, but no. it does occasionally get a solo, which is cool. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, it's yeah. always nice to have uh, double bass solos. Yeah. I, I was tempted to do one, uh, but wouldn't have had the time. Yeah, it's actually what I when I whenever I'm in a jazz club and listening to more traditional jazz, especially when there's jazz without a guitar, it's the bass solos I'm most looking forward to because you know, I don't have a great imagination for how it is to you know solo on a on a piano, mm. for example. So and then usually you know you have your uh, piano lead and I'm like, yeah okay, so that's kind of the main deal in many many jazz bands. And I really then look forward to the bass solo where yeah. I kind of have a bit of a feel for it. And it just sounds so cool. cool. Yeah, it sounds really Especially cool. on a double bass. And you know? if they can spin it around at the same time. That's more rockabilly. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I want to see a spinning double <laughs> double bass, please. Oh, yeah, of course. And and you deserve it, sir. <laughs> uh, what do you think finally is the like one thing you take away from this more than anything? Actually, it really is... all. Same for as for you. It's really the chords. It's I found it challenging at first. I don't know I, because I didn't look at a single chord chart. I went at this with like theory in the back of my head. I was like, okay, so I'm just gonna play like a minor chord with a major six on top or, and see how it sounds, and uh, maybe add a flat seven or something, and you know, see how that sounds. And then I just transported that to the guitar, and I took the root, and I was like, okay, wait, the six is down there, and let's add a seven here. What does that sound like? And that way, the chords really stuck because I kind of worked them out myself. And now I, I'm confident playing them. I don't know when I ever will. This is the first time ever, by the way, that I've played fully diminished chords in my life. You're proud of that. I'm, I'm quite proud of that, yeah. I th- I, you might have called me. <laughs> Dan! Dan! <laughs> this, was, this was mad. Because yeah. there's this cool thing about diminished chords. Now, maybe you can have another list at some point and you can pick it out at the end of every phrase but only on the right i just do this diminished chord and since they are all in minor thirds the entire thing and it runs through the entire scale that way if you just move it up three frets it's the same chords 
And if you move it up another three, it's the, it's the same chord. It's always the same chord. It just changes the order, and you can move yeah. it up and down. Ah, it's weird, cool. and it's it's cool. It's yeah. cool in a way, and it's hardly ever usable in popular music. It's I I find it hard to use. Sure. So that was also cool. So yeah, chords are my big takeaway. I think. Yeah, mine too. So we've taken away from Gypsy Jazz all that we can. Oh, tough one. Tough one. Tough one. By by far the biggest challenge for me. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, in general, I have to say I'm happy with the challenges, the guitar challenges specifically, specifically that we are faced with this uh, season. So, I mean, this is now the fourth episode and we already had death metal and this, which were both, for me, real, like, learning curves on the guitar. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, it's always tough in the moment, Mm. but you really feel... You feel you feel your growth. Yeah, it's, it's you feel cool. a sense of accomplishment at the end. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm glad about it. Uh, looking forward to something that is not Gypsy Jazz next month, though. And <laughs> I think that might be the next point on our agenda. Here we go. What are we doing next month? So, as many of you might have realized, we changed things up a bit. And specifically, Dan over there. Hello, Dan. Hi. I'm <laughs> still here. <laughs> I haven't died yet. Nice. <laughs> you got way more active on Instagram, which I really enjoy because, you know, we just said, okay, I do mostly most of the editing, all the editing, and uh, you take care of that. And we had a lot of action going on there. And for the first time, we also had our polls up on Instagram and on our website slash on Google Forms. So thank you all for voting on Instagram. And we will keep doing it because mm. uh, it was a great way to engage with you all. So uh, thank you. And if you don't follow us yet, please do, because you will see more and more content from us coming up. Can you remind the listeners what the four shores were that were up for, for the vote this time? This I can time. indeed. So we had Americana, Post-Punk Revival, Apreshi, and Rock Ballads. Ralph, and do we have a winner? We do have a winner, sir. Actually, we have a very, very close winner. Okay. It was w- one vote difference. I'm nervous. And the winner is Rock Ballads. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, oh this is going to be amazing. Another guitar genre, but less technical. Yes, way less technical. Yeah. So we can go mad over the, the old major scale and the pentatonic yeah, here. Exactly, yeah. That should be fine. Yeah. Nice. This is going to be brilliant. This is going to be good. Yeah. So Rock Ballads, oh, I'm going to like, that's the 80s, isn't it, really? Mostly. I'm yeah. thinking like Dream On, Aerosmith. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. The rock ballad in my yeah. head anyway. But they Yeah. Queen. Queen. They were they were rock ballady. But also if you look at Rolling Stones, Angie. Yeah. Classic yeah, yeah. rock ballad. Yeah. Loads. Oh, here we go. This is gonna be fun. And for topics. We had Shakespeare was wrong. Uh Hot Summer Nights. My girlfriend's friends. And finding out that your mother is a porn star. Uh, would you be surprised, Dan, if I told you that we had a clear winner here? I would not be surprised if you told me this. Based on our listeners' preferences from the last year and a half, what would you reckon is their preference? So when we look at last month, which was about brothels. Yeah, the month before was? That was, what was that? Removing a tick from the center of your ah, anus. Ah, yeah, we have disgusting listeners. That's right. I think we have a theme. I'd be very surprised, Dan, if you now told me that our mother being porn stars did not win this. I am 100% certain that it did. <laughs> of course so it did. we have a rock, ball- <laughs> a rock ballad about finding out our mum is a porn star. <laughs> uh, this is going to be nice. And it's going to be the other way around because I'm now basically in the process of moving. Yeah. But also... I'm traveling to Italy for a wedding for like a week. So this is going to be a tough one for me. <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. How huh? the tables turned. <sighs> but maybe another thing, which might be of interest to many of our listeners. I said it was a close call on the genre. And it was a really close call. It was one vote. And Après, she almost made it. And I want to just run this idea past you, Dan. I'm ready. What would you say if we now solemnly swear that for this end of season special christmas time this year we write a song in the genre in the in the runner-up genre of apres a christmas apres for all the people that will be apres yes oh the two of us together it's a beautiful idea yes let's do it let's do that so we we promise here and now that for christmas you can expect an apres song about something Written by yours, yours truly, both of us. Exactly. Lovely. Oh. Let's do that. But before then, you get to enjoy us doing rock ballads about our mums. Being Beautiful. <laughs>
other than that, Dan already mentioned, please follow us on Instagram. There's more and more going on there. You can now vote there. You can submit topics and chores there. It's all going to be in our stories. So just follow us and uh, get involved. Otherwise, of course, you can still submit new chores and topics and also vote. And that's all on our website at songwritingedits.com slash vote. And we are very much looking to new ideas. And of course, the vote for next month or the month after that is already up now. So you can go to our website and check that out and you'll see it on Instagram soon as well. Uh, don't be shy and write to us as well at our email address, podcast at songwritingidiots.com and follow us wherever you listen to us so you always get our latest ep- episodes as soon as they land. Lovely. And now it's time to listen to some good old rock ballads together. Get cuddly, Dan. We're going to have a romantic night with Aerosmith, the Rolling Stones. And Queen. A little bit of Queen. Maybe some candlelight. Mm-mm-mm. And maybe coronavirus. Who knows? <laughs> and until then, I'll see you next month. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>